Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview took place at the Hilton in Toronto. It's a little noisy in the background, but I don't think that's going to be too much of a distraction for you. And we uh, we met with uh, director uh, Gita Ganbir and uh, Roy Lalonde, who actually appears in the film. And I'm not going to tell you a lot about that because I'm hoping you're actually going to actually get a chance to see A Journey of a Thousand Miles. Peacekeepers is the subtitle. It's a, it's a great film. It's a remarkable film. It's about five Bangladeshi women, police women, who go to uh, a UN peacekeeping mission in Haiti after the earthquake and it's um 
Yeah, in the in the in the uh, the write up, uh, we the, a true Mission Impossible is the phrase, and so uh, Gita Gambier, the uh, co-director of the film, alongside of Charmin Obed Shinoy, who uh, won the Academy Award for Saving Face, by the way. Um, she, unfortunately, she couldn't join us for the interview, but we talk about, um, in her words, a kick-ass story about Muslim women, and I think that there is a a whole lot going on in this film. You're going to enjoy the interview. I think you're going to enjoy the film. So check it out and stay tuned. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are uh, at TIFF, the 40th anniversary of TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. We're sitting here with can I can I staff sergeant Roy Lalonde? Can I say the star of the film? No, or what? I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> and uh, with Gita Ganbir, uh, filmmaker, uh, and uh, her. Um, partner Charmine, who's not here with us today, who is uh, also co- co-director. Yeah, co-director and co-producer. Thank you for being with us today. Really appreciate it. So I guess um, w- one of the reasons I was uh, uh, drawn to this film, I think, was uh, from an international perspective. Mo- most of my listeners will know that I'm a social justice guy. I'm about trying to make a difference in the world, you know, the splash and ripple effect and so on. I'm trying to get my head around what this movie actually was really about. Is this about gender? Is it about is it about doing no harm? Right? Uh, there's there's a lot going on in this movie. And thank you, by the way, and congratulations. Um, so I, I would say off the bat, Charmaine and I really wanted to make a kick-ass story about Muslim women. <laughs> that was the really first and foremost when we were making this film. We were both obviously she's Pakistani, I am uh, Indian, and we. This, the depiction of South Asian women in the media, um, we felt like we could add to it in a, in a way that was interesting and, and different and positive. And I came across the story of Indian women um, in, um, in the news. I came across the story of Indian women who are deployed to India, I'm sorry, from India to Liberia. And that was a couple of years ago and they'd been, they were deployed, you know, they'd been sent out for like, for about 10 years. So there was a rotation going, and I thought that was a fascinating story. And then when we realized there were women going from Bangladesh, that became even more interesting because of the the aspect of the religion, the women being Muslim. So that's really what the film was meant to be about. Of course, as you, you know, filmmaking, I like to say, is like an onion. As you peel back the layers, it's either like an onion or an artichoke. As you peel back the layers, the more you, either more you cry, (laughs) or the better it gets at the heart. So, or sometimes it's a combination of both. Um, and I think it was a combination for us for this one, because there were many challenges, but also we got to tell the story of these sort of these incredible women and, and who are very brave and are kind of groundbreaking for their country. They're doing things, again, they were the third rotation to go to Haiti from their country, and they were sort of, they're sort of laying the groundwork for what's to come. Was waiting for uh, no. Staff Sergeant to jump in there. No. So, so, so I love the fact that you're smiling so much. I mean, it tells me that you're you're clearly a pretty hopeful person. And I think coming out of the film, one can sort of, on one hand, go, "There's a lot to be hopeful about. There's some really great things going on in the world." And then you go, "Well, but hang on. On the other hand, we can tackle this from a, a gender perspective. We can talk about social justice. We can talk about the poverty that we see in Bangladesh." I mean, I love the one line from one of the women who says, "Oh, I thought we only had poverty in Bangladesh." Right, and so when I think of a cross-cultural experience, I think of, sorry for this, I often think of, not always, the Westerner 
going global north, global south, right? Not the other way, not not sort of the other way around. So I found that really fascinating. Uh, that that it really is, this film really is working on a lot of levels. And by the way, there's just too many women with guns. I think I need to just say that right out of the gate. <laughs> there's just too many women with guns. <laughs> Um, I would say that that um, we did. We also found it really fascinating the perspective of these women who are coming from what is, for all practical purposes, known as a developing country, and then they are sent out to what is also a developing country. It was very important to us, however, that Haiti. Um, we think Haiti is a really critical issue in the film. Uh, Haiti is a country. I feel we feel that the spotlight has sort of moved, the media's attention and just the world's attention on Haiti has um, has sort of waned. In, and we think that uh, for people in the West, it's sort of the onus is upon us. Haiti is in our backyard. There's, there are people still living in dire, uh, dire situations there. And that is really also critical. We, the women Gita, were really a vehicle. Gita, in a sense, isn't, aren't we all kind of in each other's backyards? I mean, yes. isn't that sort of a message of the film? Yes, in, but in I, feel like, I, do feel that, I do feel that in the West, we can disconnect easier from things that happen, per se, in, in, in countries that are far. You know, the Haiti is, is three hours flight from New York, where I am based, and from here, perhaps an additional hour. And it is, I think, and interestingly, the conditions there are, as the women from Bangladesh noted, you know, they were, they were surprised by what they saw in, in Haiti as far as the poverty. And this, they also understood the struggle that the people had, that they were essentially, as the, as the women say in the film, their anger is justified. When there were protests, they understood that the women, the women understood, they're like, the people are hungry. There's, there's hunger, there's poverty. Of course, you know, what, what else are they to do? So, you know, they, they should, you know, they should be up in arms. So, um, but that was, I think, as you said, you know, the eye of the Westerner is, the, the, the Western lens is so often what we are used to referencing in our media and in the films that we make. And, you know, it was for us important to have something different. So I've done a series of interviews and I want to ask you a couple questions real quick here in a second, Roy. But, but the theme for me so far has been about listening. The few directors that I've spoken to about a couple of the films, Ninth Floor, Mina Shum, and, um, uh, and Embrace of the Serpent, and so on. It's about other cultures, and so on. Just being cross cross culturally aware, I guess. And and one of the women, I think, one of the police officers that went over said something to the effect of, "And I felt frustrated for her. Oh, if I only knew their language, or if I only, you know, and this this frustration of just being sort of parachuted in. And that's, I think, I mean, obviously, both of you can answer this, but you know, Roy, in the film, you talk about the the. Your, um, I don't, would you call it uh, marksmanship? Gun, I, don't, I don't know. What do you call it? Gunmanship? Yeah. <laughs> I don't weapons know what handling, the, I guess. weapons handling. And and you're but you're you're concerned about the the lack of training and the um, lack of preparation, I guess, for for these women being dropped into such a difficult situation. Yeah. It, you know, it's it's a long story. Uh, I I really knew nothing of this project when I arrived in Haiti. My my job over there was uh, basically to provide training to foreign police units, and in Haiti there's approximately 11 foreign police units, ranging from uh, you know people from uh, or countries in uh, sorry it's uh, countries that were involved in the FPUs were India, Jordan, Bangladesh. You have Rwanda. You have Senegal. So you're dealing with various cultures and, and when you talk about the language the, the frustration of the, of the lack of uh, understanding the language 
you know, that's that's just part and parcel with the you know the UN reaching out to contributing countries to to get involved. Unfortunately, not everybody is going to be French speaking or English speaking, so they make do with it. But uh, you know, going back to the uh, Bangladesh FPU, I had the opportunity to to attend. Uh, Bangladesh on two separate occasions for training and to do an evaluation prior to an FPU coming into mission and and it's unfortunate when when you look at uh, I use Canada for example we're 60 or we're 32 34 million people across this country and then you look at Bangladesh 65 million people they're they're providing I believe Bangladesh is probably the second largest contributing country in the world for FPUs uh, they're 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 pretty much in every every ongoing mission right now and uh, <clears throat> But that's unfortunate, the training level that they're given prior. And, and, you know, I had I got to see it firsthand. And unfortunately, you know, it's it's discouraging. But, you know, we, we, we're, we're somewhat, uh, I guess, helpless <clears throat> to, to what we can do at this time other than, you know, provide the training, the recommendations, a lot of feedback to New York. But, uh, you know, when you talk about the, you know, the, the women coming into mission unprepared, it's it was almost expected just mm. giving, given the, you know, I guess the foundation that Bangladesh uh, police have given them prior to coming here. So now you have women in mission operating an SKS, you know, 7.62 rifle that, that was pretty much brought into inception in 1950s, and they're given that type of equipment to go into the field and protect themselves and protect others. You know, they've never had, I, I bet you they probably might have had 25 rounds fired in mission or in, in their country before they come into a to a zone here so but uh, yeah going back I guess getting a little off track my job was was simply to go and evaluate their operational readiness and to see what we could do and you know like I was telling Guido when, when you first get there I know what they're coming from I know what the training they were given prior uh, you know it's it's a business and we've talked about this FPUs is a business and uh, sometimes they forget that they forget that uh, the human factor here that these people need to be prepared once they once the boots are on the ground but uh, in in my job over there and in my other missions it was the same thing just go there do the firearms do the public order bring them up to a speed where they can defend themselves and defend others and protect themselves uh, you know I think you know when you say it's it's a business, it comes out in the film. And uh, it, I went to uh, sorry for the, the, no comparison no. here, but Armageddon, the Michael Bay film, and I think they're being fired off to the asteroid. They're going to drill on it, and yeah. Steve Buscemi's character says yeah. it's not really that comforting to know that this went to the lowest bidder. Yeah. You know, building this ship, and in a sense, isn't that kind of what you're speaking about? Like, so so you know, we'll we'll I, take these countries because they I'd bid love, lower. I'd love, I'd love to get in. I'd love to get into a deep conversation here, and I'm sure that at the end of the day, I'd probably get myself in hot water. But but when you think about the developing countries that are involved in these peacekeeping operations, and you know, if I was to tell you that the financial aspects, that you know, it would be disturbing because I'll tell you right now, you would not you would not get any Western country that would participate in this just because you know. I'll, I'll tell you flat out, you know, uh, an FPU officer probably makes $1,200 U.S. a month. So when they go into mission, you know, someone from Bangladesh making $1,200 a month, that's that's four times their salary. So for them, it's 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 a huge benefit. It's a, it's, you know, it's an opportunity for them when they go back home after a year to put themselves in. Sorry. No, that's okay. No, to, just to, you know, to put themselves in a financial position provide for the family. But, but you ask somebody from from France or Italy or England or U.S., to, to leave their family for a year and, and to work under those conditions with, with meager earnings, nobody would do it. 
nobody would do it regardless regardless of that sense of sense of duty at the end of the day there there has to be there has to be some compensation and i don't want to i don't want to focus on that but but these people and i can tell you wholeheartedly they don't look at the finances they don't look at that twelve hundred dollars a month you know, somebody from Bangladesh getting the opportunity to put a UN patch on your sleeve, that goes a long, long way. Well, so can I just, and either of you, of course, but, but the job kept coming up so much in the film. There was so much pride, well, it seemed, behind the women going. And I, I think I totally get that. You know, I'm not going for myself, I'm going for us, or I'm going for you. You know, one of them said, I'm going for my son, and so yeah. on, because of the money, I suppose. But also, there was a sense of ownership there, right? And you said, you want to make a kick-ass film about Muslim women. Well, these are women that want to kick ass. This is, and I think, right? I think I can say, you know, I could just as, I can speak to the fact that spending the year and, and a half with them, that these women really, they, it's a great source of pride for them. You know, they feel that they want to see progress in their country for women, and they want to serve their country. And as one of the women, Maushimi, in the film, she says that she sees her children, her family, and her country as equal. And she, you know, she basically says, I may, will go on mission for a year. When I come back, my children will be here, but I may not get this opportunity to serve my country again. So it is tremendous for them. And they also understand, they're very clear, that, you know, they come from a conservative country where this role being offered to them, you know, is, is something sort of unprecedented. That they are, and Bangladesh is leading the world in many ways. It does lead, you know, and basically a, as a sort of Muslim country, the, it is leading in, in sort of trying to push the agenda of women's rights and progress for women forward. I mean, they have made a tremendous effort to get move women into politics and girls' education is really critical. And there are some, obviously, still some large problem areas. But, um, but you know, coming from where they started, the progress is tremendous. And I think we can sort of look at the women that, how we, what we know is, you know, have to spend the time with them, and as Roy did too, you know, it is a work in progress, right? Change doesn't happen. Change takes generations. And these women are sort of the beginning of it. They are, you know, like I said, the third rotation to go out. They are, have come back, they are now working, they're training, you know, recruits with their experience and mission. The training they got from Roy changed their life. And they say it in the film, Roy. But you will, you well, and it even had proud. an impact on the policing they're going to yeah, do back said, at home, right? They the said police that work this will so. change, this will change us forever. You know, this, this training will last us forever. So. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to deal with some of the chit-chat in the background, but we'll, uh, we'll cope with that, uh, we'll cope with that later. So, so yeah, the, the enormous sense of pride, and yet one of the things that I thought was really interesting too was, was um, and I don't know if it was uh, Farida, who said, um, um, I'm, a, I'm a policewoman, but I'm also a mother, or I'm a soldier, but I'm also a mother. And I don't know if I've ever heard a dad say that quite the same way. I don't know that I've ever felt that. I'm a social change consultant and a, you know, a philosopher and a dad. Uh, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, do you know uh, what I'm trying so, to get at? What's so interesting, obviously their role in, in, tradition, in countries like Bangladesh and in India and in, in many parts of Africa and just throughout, the, the woman is really the cornerstone of the family. She has a tremendous role in the house and she's seen as holding the household together. And then for these women, they have to juggle this dual role where they have to still fulfill all these roles within the home. They have to take care of their husband, their parents, their children, and then they have to go off and work as well. So for them, they see, and they, 
all the roles are important. You know, every role sort of carries the same weight. And then there's also fallout, <laughs> or, or should I say, uh, there, is, there is, you know, pushback if they don't fulfill them well. As you saw us from, you know, there is funny this husband has, mm -hmm. has a, you know, is, has a hard time with what she does. Um, but I think what's interesting is I feel like these women face some struggles that I think in the Western world at this point, women may not. There's a different, you know, progress has been achieved here for women in a way that it is still ongoing there. It is still, um, it's still developing. But what, uh, we, what we did find is that these women are determined to keep their independence no matter what they face at home. Yeah, no and, no, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, if that's not the understatement of the year, I'm not sure what is. But they, you know? And they, in turn, I believe, will pass that on for their children. Mm. Like, basically, they want, as you say, one of them says, I want my daughter to go further. I want my children to go further. And, the, and, and her son looks up to her. When she returns, her son says, I want to be a big shot police officer like my mother. And that... You know, you would never hear that. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, huge yeah, no, that's, for, that's for, a big deal anywhere, never and you mind, see, right? Also it's, in the film you see sort of, what was important to us too is sort of, to sort of show this progress. There's a scene in the film, which Charmaine always mentions, where you see the, the, the men sending the women off and cry, you know, and they're in tears and holding the children and the women are on the bus, also in tears, but leaving, you know, and that is kind of, and you don't reversal, think about that. It's yeah. a complete role reversal, and and yet it's happening. You know, and and the, no one thinks of that when they think of. Well, it's a huge commitment for anyone. I don't care who you are—mom, dad, soldier, teenager—to go away for a year to a country that you don't know of, to to protect, to help, to 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 come alongside. I think is a, is a it's a risk. It's a, but but I think for the most part. Um, and again, I apologize, I, I've, I've got their names, but I can't remember if it was Musimi maybe who said, uh, you know, I never get sad. Oh, no, right? that was Rahana. Okay, Rahana. Rahana. So, so I just, there, there's just this sense of hope and, and uh, um, you know, you see it sort of fade a little bit, I guess, throughout the film as they're kind of waiting <laughs> to go home yeah. and they're packing up their boxes and so on. It's, it's really quite wonderful. So, Roy... I mean, this is a film about empowerment, and yet, I mean, I guess you've served in a lot of these kinds of situations. Yeah, it was my third mission, yeah. Do you go in feeling empowered and come out feeling disempowered? I mean, there's a sense where you're 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 kind of thrown into the fire, the frying from the firing. You know, it, there's like we could come up with a couple of cliches or metaphors, I suppose, but but you're there to come alongside, capacity build, etc., and yet you're not necessarily. Um, I don't know, um, positioned uh, appropriately, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> so you don't have the resources that no, you need. You, 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 you seemed frustrated in, in the film to me uh, that this was what, look what we were dealing with over here, Mr. and Mrs. UN, yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and you guys can't even train your and, troops. And you know what? At the end of the day, like I said, you know, sometimes, sometimes my uh, my thoughts get ahead of me, and, and probably sometimes it should be my inside voice. But at the end of the day, I've always and I've always been steadfast, and I always felt I felt scared for these officers because the UN was asking them to perform a certain task, even though everybody around them knew that that they were probably in more danger than you know than than we realized. So that's why we put a lot of focus. We put a lot of focus on when you talk about capacity building, when you talk about empowering them. You know, I had the opportunity to, to travel the world, and I had the opportunity to, to spend some time in Bangladesh. And, and you talk about you talk about the culture. Sorry. 
You talk about the culture where where, where the women where the women are predominantly, and I don't want to say meek and mild, but they're they're, they're asked they have to be somewhat subdued. And here I am asking them, you know, fresh in a mission to to be aggressive, to 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 be forceful, to you know to you know to take on the responsibility and the leaderships for them and their colleagues. And I forget sometimes because I'm not from that culture, and and it's easy, and it's you know, and it's it's easy for somebody watching this film to say, well, they you know they should or shouldn't do this or that. Put yourself in their shoes, uh, and you know when you talk about leaving home and how difficult it is. I had the opportunity to do three missions, and this was my third one. And, and my wife has always said it best because she has she is a cornerstone of our family. If you think it's hard leaving, she goes, try being left behind. And she goes, that's the worst part. She goes, that is undoubtedly, she goes, you know, you're excited for the adventure and the challenges. And, but she goes, you know, try being left behind. And I think of, I think of the, the, the women of Bangladesh and I think of their families. But it's different for us. It's different for most, for most Europe, you know, uh, most people, I'll say from Canada, going into a mission. Because I know that in a month or a month and a half, I can fly home and see my family. They can't. But, uh, you know, when going back to, you know, am I frustrated sometimes? You know what? I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because I'm because I'm nervous for them because I'm scared because sometimes the people in certain positions are asking them to do something and, and and Haiti was no different. Asking these FPU members to go out and do a task or secure an area or or, or take on a, a, a deployment or a patrol when we all knew the risks. But you know, and, and I and I I refuse at the end of the day. I refuse, and I I made it clear at the start that. Until I believe that they're ready to defend themselves, and, and you know, and and they have the skills, the knowledge, skills, and ability to, to to work well in that mission, I said we we have to limit their their involvement. So I'm frustrated, you know. But I, I think I was, uh, you know, I got more out of the training than the women do, and I, and I do because I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy seeing people uh, when you talk about empowering themselves, you know, getting that that, that sense of, uh, of of accomplishing something. You know, a small you know a small thing is such as. The women never get to touch that AK-47, and and, it's, and you know I don't want to get into the aspects of weapons, but they never get a chance to, to do certain things. And now here I am, a lone person, saying, "No, you're going to give them this, and you're going to let them do it, and you're going to let them experience it." And and you know when you see one of the officers, you know she's so proud in the film that she gets ten out of ten. You know, yes. she gets ten out of yes. ten. To, the grouping know, was was the wonderful, grouping, by the yeah. way. <laughs> but. But it's also amazing for me because I'll go into that, I'll go into that camp or another camp or never, another FPU, I should say, and you see somebody that just picks it up, that just, and, and then I and then I empower them to say, okay, listen, you're going to show the others how to do this. So the pride, you, you just see it. It just, it's just, it's overflowing, and that's that's what keeps me coming back to work with the, you know, the the, the Bangladesh FPU. To, to me, it is, and I, I have no issues, and I, I go back in a heartbeat. So Gita, are you, are you, um, did you feel empowered after the film? You know, you finished editing, you've watched it the first time. Is, is that, you know, you're in Haiti. I mean, we don't hear a lot of good news these days and things are, I would imagine, getting better. I haven't been on the ground re uh, ever, actually. I was going to say recently, a friend of mine was just there recently. Um, a lot of problems in the world, right? Splash and ripple. How do we get involved? You know, journey of a thousand miles, right? Oh, the, it's interesting. The title comes from the, and it's sort of. I feel that it was. We felt it was fitting for the woman. There's a saying that peace is a journey of a thousand miles, and it begins with a single step. And I felt like these women in this year, it was like it was. That was 
sort of a metaphor for what they went through. You know, for them, it was like a, a journey of a thousand miles. They had to take it one step at a time. And each step of the way, there was something unfamiliar, there was something new, but they made it through. Um, and, you know, Roy, actually, well, you'll, you'll see, but the women, I think, got far more out of the training than you may realize. They really were, uh, they were, you know, they felt so different. You know, as you said, they, they you know, they, to be able to, to actually, to be, I think the way that once they received the training from the UN, they felt empowered. They felt like someone but, was know, finally taking them seriously. And I'll seriously. just cut in real quick, but it's, sometimes I used to sit back and I used to try and cover myself, you know, laughing because, because here you would be this meek, mild, quiet uh, female officer, and then and then one of the male uh, Bangladesh officers would come over, and she'd put him in his place in yeah. 30 seconds, and I and I was always going, oh my God, good <laughs> for you, good for you, or or to see one of the officers, you know, you know, you know, follow follow the guidelines and say, okay, no, I'm going to take this, and I want this equipment, I want this and this, and we're not going until this is ready, and then to have a male officer question him, and they say, no, we're doing it, and I used to sit back and I used to catch myself going good for you this is exactly what we what we want to see that's right that's yeah. right and they and they they learn from that but i think to speak to your bigger issue of you know the the ripple effect and and the world i think when you make a documentary film often until it's out in the world it's like it's kind of like having a baby like the, the the pregnancy is sort of the the production period where you're making the film editing it and then once it's out in the world, it's born. You know, the film really... So the medal ceremony was June 2014, but preceded by a year, is it that was right? So yes. what are we, so two we and a half year, three-year project? It was 20, it was a three-year, three-year, if not three, longer, because development, we were, you know, knocking on the UN's door for quite a while, for about a year, before, you know, trying to figure out logistics of which FPU we would follow and, you know, how we could make it work and then putting our own ducks in a row, our funding, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and getting the support we needed so that we could do this. It was a huge project. We were dealing with multiple countries and, you know, multiple teams and visas and, you know, all kinds of letters to the senior bureaucracy. So, but um, at the end of the day, now that it's out here at TIFF, honestly, that is the, it's premiering here. We couldn't have asked for a bigger, better festival. Um, and we are, we're thrilled. We're thrilled. I feel like it's now that I'm actually finally Yeah, and so you should baby. be because I think, I think it's, th some people will look at the poster and go, oh, that's a film about the UN. Well, hang on a second here. Let's just back up and ask a couple more questions and peel back a couple of those layers that you were talking about earlier. What I love about it is it's so multi-layered. I mean, you really could talk, you could talk about poverty. We could talk about cross-cultural effectiveness. We can talk about extreme poverty. We can talk about listening. You know, there's so many, but really, like you said, this is about Muslim uh, strong Muslim women. Um, I got to ask you this. I grew up in a faith-based environment where the men on the surface looked like they were, you know, in charge. In, in charge. And clearly that was just not the case, <laughs> right? And so, you know, we'd go to church and, and you would, you, but I would hear the drive home, <laughs> right? Or you would see the, the evening afterwards and the way the women would interact and, and, and yet the men would have to present or they would take the pulpit or they were the ones who would speak and so on. It seems to be pretty across the board, and we're kind of breaking away from that more and more. And yet, you see a film like this, and the um, I don't know what's 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 up with 
what's what's up with the men in the world? <laughs> what what well, won't we let go I, of? Is it power? Is think, it? Well, is, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it's, if you see some of the men in this film are ex- tremendous examples of um, they are very egalitarian in their relationships with their wives. Malshami's husband, for example, says, and you know, again, this is the men, and some of the men in this film defy the stereotypes. I mean, he says, absolutely, should, everyone should work in the home. It is better for the future. And my wife and I both work. I think that was brilliant. And yeah, we have both. a great, like, we have a great understanding. And this is how it should be. And she can, you know, even though he was completely miserable without her, like, yeah. and he makes no bones about Which it. Which is so yeah, funny, was, by the way. The, the comedy of that. The men all falling apart. Falling apart at the seams. And you know it's expected. It's expected. At, near the end, it, is that uh, the guy whose wife is cleaning out the fruit? The durian? Yes, durian? Is she, that a durian fruit? It's that's a gotta, jackfruit. Okay, it's that's like fruit. the biggest jackfruit I've ever seen. But that's a hilarious scene. We ate it. Because he's leading against the law. Yeah, go ahead. You can go again, yeah, but, but I was but, a mess, just so you know. It was like, I was miserable. I spent a year in misery. Like, he was so... He's so, funny, but the yeah. whining and complaining from the men too, after about like the year that they were gone. Meanwhile, the women sort of deal with all this all the time. The year of taking right. care of the kids. Right. Oh my God. You know. But um yeah, it's very funny. But I think So are men just lazy? Is this what it comes down to? Because I, I gotta I gotta tell you, as I'm watching the film, I'm going smokes am i am i like this with elizabeth like am i this much of a whiner you know or independent sometimes (laughs) that's what it comes down to but i think in well in any culture that is patriarchal of -hmm. course there is a you are born into a certain privilege right and it is true of race and sex and you know like race gender you know etc there is when you are born into a certain kind of privilege that you take for granted often to whether or not you might deserve it you know sometimes and i think that is sort of you know obviously in bangladeshi culture and south asian culture that disparity still exists between men and women um i the film shows that it's changing though you do see that these men are for the good of the family and also you know there there, there is progress so it i hope that um, there people do walk away with that feeling that like that it actually can be different, you know, that that ISIS, which is dominating the media, is not all that's out there. So I, I, I so hope, and I think you are going to, I mean, often with these types of films, to me, I, uh, because I teach in this as well, you think, wow, we're just preaching to the converted, right? We're just, because the cynics are going to remain cynical, and they're going to remain, uh, they're going to disparage about the UN and about non-profits, and oh, you're spending too much administrative money, and you're not making a difference, and then the other's on the other side, so it's a polarization of it. But what about those folks who are sort of in the middle, who, who you can get to, well, that's and, and I think that's what's so great about a film yeah. like yours is it's, it I don't think it polar it certainly didn't for me it didn't polarize the issues for me it, it, it just kind of lays them out there and you a lot of entry points there's definitely some people as you said where we understand some people no matter what we did or said you know or showed on film or you know however it went who would not necessarily agree with you know that there is a hope for progress in this way I think it is like you said it's anybody who whose mind may have been maybe open perhaps it will open further that is that's always the goal again we feel we know that progress takes time and some people never change their minds about anything well I have a friend who just unequivocally doesn't believe that you can change Mm -hmm. you know you are what you are and I don't know if this is some sort of 
genetic predisposition on his part that he believes in, but I tease him about it all it the makes time. It, it's yeah. a convenient argument. It is very, it's very convenient, convenient, isn't it? Well, listen, thank you so much for your uh, generosity today and your, your candor and your openness. I, I always say that I wish and I hope we can have a part two to this conversation. Um, it's just, we just barely scratched the surface, but uh, congratulations on the film. And it, is it actually opened at the festival it yet? It is premiering tonight. Premiering, it is tonight. premiering tonight. Excellent. At 9.30 p.m. And the full title is Peacekeepers, Journey, Journey, of, a Journey of a Thousand, thousand. Miles, Peacekeepers. And it's premiering at 9.30 at the Scotiabank Theatre. And my guests, uh, Gita Ganbir and uh, Roy, uh, Sergeant? Staff Sergeant. Staff Sergeant Roy Milan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you.